Welcome to this edition of Perspectives in Inflammation podcast, a series brought to you by the Cytokine Signaling Forum, which shines a spotlight onto experts in the field of inflammation and in particular their research interests. My name is Professor Peter Nash from the University of Queensland and joining me today is our CSF Steering Committee Chairman and my good friend, Professor Ian McInnes from the University of Glasgow. Today we're going to talk a little bit about precision medicine, but more particularly, we're going to hear a little bit about uh, Ian's background and try and get to know him a little better. So Ian, can you tell us a little bit about why rheumatology, how you got into this area and what interests you have in inflammation? Peter, if I had an answer to that question, it might suggest that I actually knew where I'd come from and where I was going, and that would be a complete misrepresentation of the truth. The reality is I was brought up in the east end of Glasgow and uh, I went to medical school with the intention of becoming a primary care physician. Uh, I was particularly motivated to, to, to practice in areas of deprivation. And uh, as I made my way through medical school, I was very afraid of the secretary in charge <laughs> of the faculty of medicine. Her name was Mrs. Spurway. And uh, one day she found me in the early summer months lounging in the sunshine, yes, the sunshine, sunshine in Glasgow, at the beginning of the summer holidays. And she pointed out to me that I had mistakenly missed the invitation to spend the summer in the laboratory, which was a fellowship program offered by the Scottish government. And I pointed out to her that to be eligible for such a project, I'd have had to apply for such a project. And she said, yes, you didn't, but I did for you. And so the following day I entered the laboratory and I have to say, I became hooked overnight. And in the space of the next few summers at medical school, then into my formal medical training as a resident, again, still in Glasgow, I continue to be utterly fascinated, not only by how best to treat people, but to try and understand why people needed treatment in the first place. And I, 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 from a really early stage, became aware that I was driven clearly by compassion. Physicians are but I was also utterly driven by curiosity. But you're very strong in immunology. <clears throat> Why not immunology rather than rheumatology? Well, my immunologic backgrounds came from a second recognition. So that was back in the 1830s or whenever it was, when immunology was a very, very young discipline. But I was drawn immediately to the concept of, in fact, the rheumatic diseases. I was always interested in those. We have a family history and like many doctors, you're, you're provoked in an area because of the direct experience you have as a youngster. And, and through the eyes of a youngster, disease can be a terrible thing. And so there was a little motivation there. And there were just glimmers of excitement at that time that the immune system and the rheumatic diseases may be related to each other. I, I had absolutely no idea that I was entering immunology at a time when there was about to be an explosion of, first of all, understanding of the immune system. But even more excitingly, understanding how to manipulate that immune system to therapeutic benefit. You know, bluntly, I was lucky. Tell us a little bit about uh, your working with Professor O'Shea at the NIH. He's the inventor of Jack. And yeah, he's a very clever man, isn't he? So what happened was I, I, I did a PhD in Glasgow. I took my immunology into clinical practice there. And I needed to travel. So I, I had the real privilege of receiving fellowship funding to take me to NIH in Bethesda, Maryland, and my dear wife Karen and I traveled out there. We had a wonderful time. It turned out there were lots of curious people there as well. And so I was thoroughly happy. 
I was especially happy to be in the lab next door to John O'Shea. That's quite an important distinction. I didn't actually work directly for John. Despite that, John and I formed, in my case, a complete admiration and in John, a modest toleration of my proclivity (laughs) for odd and strange questions. And I have to say, subsequent to that, we become very dear friends. But what I was particularly drawn to was John's idea that cytokine biology could be rationalized, of course, by extracellular inhibitors, adding antibodies. By then, we knew antibodies were going to do something. We didn't know quite what they were going to achieve, as it turned out, but we could see beneficial effects. John's insight was extraordinary. It was that by moving inside the cell to understand the critical molecules that mediate a signal from a cell membrane to a cell nucleus, one could convey the same potential benefits therapeutically but by using the small molecules that we were so familiar with with conventional pharmacology at that time. And so when you came back, what did you set up and what do you now have moving forward? Well, I moved back uh, from the NIH to Glasgow. My intention was to uh, go back for five years. And then, if if I'm honest, I'd always planned to go back to the United States. I, I was utterly... Uh, in love with the U.S. system, with the way in which they, this was really, it was big science even then, big questions and, and really smart people thinking about it. It was a, a, a very exciting environment. Twenty-odd years later, I'm still in Glasgow. So what happened? Well, what, what happened, of course, was that I went back to an organization that first and foremost put rheumatology to the fore. So rheumatology had a long, proud history in the University of Glasgow. Actually, we recently celebrated our 50th anniversary of the formation of the Centre for Rheumatic Diseases. And in fact, I, I'm only the third professor of rheumatology in that entire history. So, but built on that heritage, we also had a very active immunology department. And the, the immune department in the University of Glasgow, again, went back 40 or 50 years. Some of the very early transplant experiments were done in Glasgow. And putting those two heritage events together, it became really obvious to me that I had the perfect cocktail. I had interest in immune biology in my colleagues. I had a heritage of really strong academic rheumatology upon which to build. I had a really large resource of people with rheumatic musculoskeletal diseases in Glasgow who were imbued with that fabulous Glaswegian property of generosity of spirit. And so we had patients who were prepared to come into our trials, who were prepared to give us biopsies and samples, blood samples, tissue samples. And you know, those are the essential ingredients. And I, now I look back, realize I was extraordinarily fortunate to have the recipe there and the ingredients present for what has now, for my institution, become a, a success story. Trust me, I'm kind of <laughs> a small part of it, but that's how it is. And tell us a little bit about what you're working on now then and the whole precision medicine area and where do you see it going? Well, what what I'm working on now is, I suppose remarkably 20 years later, still built in the fundaments we had when I I got back to Glasgow. Uh, I, I am fundamentally interested in trying to understand the molecular pathways that subserve the clinical problems our patients suffer from. So we're interested in why do joints swell? Why do they have inflammation? Why do patients with uh, RMDs have an increased vascular risk? Why do they have an increased risk of cognitive dysfunction? And what we're working on at the moment are, well, several folds. First of all, we're actually now trying to understand the totality of the regulation of how cytokine and inflammatory pathways are driven in people with rheumatoid and psoriatic arthritis. We're interested in both diseases in their own right, but we're also interested in the compare and contrast. 
So there's that piece. That's, if you like, molecular medicine pathogenesis discovery. We're also interested in how understanding and unraveling that pathogenesis could start to separate what at the moment are probably relatively heterogeneous clinical groups into manageable subgroups. That's the concept of precision medicine, where we make molecular subcategorization of patients into therapeutically useful decisions. And when you take that forward, and we haven't managed it yet in hematology, but we're ambitious that we shall, the idea is that you'll give the right drug to the right person at the right time, you'll minimize toxicity, reduce the ambient cost to patient and society, and eventually, if you're fortunate, you'll be able to really abbreviate the journey to remission for the patient. Sounds very uh, fascinating future area of development. Now, you're pretty busy as it is, but what about this presidency of EULA? That must really knock your time around. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm slightly afraid that my wife placed that question into the conversation because uh, it is true that I'm probably not in Glasgow as often as either I or she would wish us to be. So EULAR is just an amazing organisation. EULAR is, a, is a, a group of many different national societies professional societies. Then there's a second pillar, which are the health professionals, and the third pillar, the the patients themselves, so-called PARI. And those three pillars come together to really empower the people with RMDs, to try and bring for them the best therapeutics, the best strategies, the best advocacy, recognition at the societal level. And it's a society that brings together highly passionate and highly committed people. Uh, to serve as the president of EULAR, that's uh, beyond my dreams, to be perfectly honest with you. It was uh, uh, something of a surprise for me to move on in this way into the steering group and the biggest privilege of my life to serve as the, the president of EULAR. It's a chance to make a difference. Uh, you make a difference not yourself. You make a difference by building teams, don't you? That's how you can really enact change. And the team in EULAR is currently really focused, well, first of all, through the EULAR school, building an outstanding educational program. Uh, in my presidency, I'm going to build on that. I'm going to take educational initiatives into sub-Saharan Africa, for example, where there's a billion people who have access to no rheumatology. For me, in the 2020s, that's unacceptable. So we're going to do that. Uh, we're also going to build a new research centre. So we're going to build a virtual research centre for the first time. We're going to put resource in to create the wherewithal to empower really high-quality research in the rheumatic musculoskeletal diseases. Traversing all of the disciplines, basic translational clinical science, public health epidemiology, and uh, that, that, that's probably enough to keep me going for a little while. If I say any more, then the guys in the EULAR exchequer are going to go pale and feel <laughs> uncomfortable. But, uh, it's, it's the collaboration amongst many countries that's always impressed me. Um, so that'll be your legacy, you think? The, the, well, if I'm the, privileged to have a legacy, you, you, you said something really important. You know, the legacy, if we really get it right, the legacy will be EULAR+. Plus because, in fact, one of the lovely things that's happening in the world of rheumatology right now is friends down in APLAR are, are talking to friends in EULAR. Friends in EULAR are talking to, to friends in ACR, in AFLAR, in, in PANLAR. We, we have all of the, the different leagues. I don't really like the word leagues, but the different groupings of people around the world really coming together with common purpose. And that can only be good. Now, that'll not be me who does that. Of course, it will be a gathering of minds, a group of people who, who understand that working together is, is better than working apart. There are challenges there, though, Peter. 
serious challenges. So how, how do I work with the Australians when every time we play you at rugby, <laughs> you hammer us? Uh, it's, it's a deeply disturbing moment for me. You know, I'm a keen Scottish sports fan, but when our soccer team and our rugby team are misfiring simultaneously, it can be a miserable business. But, it, you know, at least we have a great golf course or two. You do have a great golf course or two. Well, we've given you a little bit of insight into the background of Professor Ian McInnes. Uh, we've been very fortunate to spend some time with him. We hope you've enjoyed our brief discussion. You can find out a lot more about Precision Medicine, about the Cytokine Signaling Forum on the website. I encourage you to listen to the podcast, to download the slide kits and to get involved with the CSF Signaling Forum. Thank you very much, Ian. Thank you, Peter.